In this episode, we're talking about, well, you know, we say all the time there isn't a single perfect camper on the market, not not one particular model or brand or floor plan that works perfectly for everybody. But there are so many options out there that there likely is an RV option for anybody who's interested in RVing at all. There's, there's so many good ones. The thing is, how do, how do these manufacturers, there's a whole swath of them, come up with ideas and what's the pathway to taking an idea from you know conception all the way through the process of bringing it to market and introducing it to, to people and so today we're going to talk to keith from intech rv who has a a history of being one of the fastest manufacturers we've ever seen to go from idea to consumers um so we're going to kind of pick his brain on how that happens what's the process what's the path so with all that said let's go into our welcome welcome to the rv small talk podcast where we talk about lightweight trailers truck campers and people places and adventures that go right along with them we're your hosts from princess craft rv i am clint i'm pj and i'm just happy to be here we're happy to it's you know you know we haven't all done a podcast together in what almost Two months? It seems like. Feels like it. At it, least a month. It feels like longer than that since I've been, if, since I we sat here all together. Yep. Yeah. It's weird. It's yeah. been a while since we've had Keith on too. Keith, it's been more than a year, I think, since your last pos- podcasting foray with us. Are you scared? Oh, very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were nervous once in your life, but I don't think I knew you then. it's always fun to talk with you guys so there's no nerves there well very good very good you're at your home base in napanee indiana today yes i am back at our plant here in indiana well it's going to hit mid 60s here on uh what is january 25th what are you facing there well, now you're just showing off. So we went from uh, freezing temperatures <laughs> and negative 20 degree uh, wind chills. And now we basically have 40 in rain and clouds. So I would be very happy to be in Texas with you guys right now versus Indiana. I'm just I just I bring it up every time just to continuously extend the invitation. That's all that is. Come to the sun. Just be sure you pick the right week. More enjoyable. But the past two weeks we've had you know, 15 to 20 degrees. So it's not always 60 and sunny here. We have had rain for some time. Well, I think, I think that our like three, four, five day stints of really cold and and rainy and all that, that's, that's good and all. I mean, it doesn't compare to them. What, what is amazing on his end in his neck of the woods is they have the infrastructure and the equipment to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We don't. We shut down right here in Texas. Everything stops. But, you know, uh, we had three or four days of really cold, ugly weather. They have three months of really cold, ugly weather. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know. I don't yeah, know. I appreciate that reminder of what's yeah. yet to come for okay, us can this we, winter. Keith, you live there. I mean, it's not our fault. <laughs> but let's, let's just this is, say their summer is incredible. That's true. It's, their summer is not fair. Yeah, it, they have flowers in July. Do you know how hard it is They're, to have, keep flowers going in July here? They have here? green grass. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> don't. Anyway, lots of things are different in Indiana, in Napanee. And they have the best coffee shop. If you're ever in Napanee, you need to stop in and say hi to Intech, and you need to go to the coffee shop downtown. Because mm-hmm. 
both are spectacular. What's that coffee shop called, Keith? That is Main Street Roasters right oh. in downtown Napanee. All right. And it is very good. Yes. Yeah. What street is off of? <laughs> okay, whatever. Well, there's not a lot of streets in Cleveland, so it's pretty easy to find. It's uh, one of the only stoplights in town. I think you'll get there. Oh man, hey. Um, so, so for those who are new to our podcast, maybe new to this whole world, um, they haven't met you yet. Keith, who is Keith? Who are you? So I've been with Intech pretty much since we started our RV, RV line back in 2016. And I handle a lot of our sales and product development over here. Yep. Yeah. Which you, is why you it's pretty much handle along. all of it. I mean, if he handles product development, that's that's our line of thinking today. Yes. You said that you started with Intech when the RV division started. Um, I, the only reason I bring that up is because I think where Intech started has a lot to do with their product development, which is uh, back around to what we're talking about. So give us the history of Intech briefly. Yeah, briefly. so we started the, the company started back in 2010. And at that point, we did fiber splicing trailers and motorsport trailers. So uh, car haulers for the race car industry. And we still do both of those today on a very large scale now. Um, and then in 2016, like I talked about, we were kind of looking at the RV industry and recognizing, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but you know, we have a very different construction style, very different approach to the build and realizing we could offer and bring a lot of value into RVs. And so that's where we kind of started our venture into that direction. When you do your motorsports trailer, and I have toured that plant, we've done a few videos there. I'm so impressed because every single one of your motorsports trailers, and there's a lot going through that big old plant, are unique. They are all a custom build, basically, right? And these customers Correct. decide what they want. You guys put it together and you build this book and it's called The Book. And the book is what has all the details of how this trailer will be made. And it goes down the line with the book. I don't know. I think it's fascinating. That piece of the business is fascinating. And having that type of agility and that type of engineering um, strength is amazing because I think that is what gave you all the tools to move into RVs. Absolutely, it did. Like you said, we work with each customer individually on a motorsports trailer to build them a custom unit for what they want. So in, in essence, we're building a unique model every time on that production line. And it really does. It gives us the mindset of, you know, being able to innovate, create new things and do it at a fairly high pace because we do that on a daily basis for for the trailers on the motorsport end of the world. Yeah, I bet you learn a lot of lessons. Uh, there's, I mean, you build exactly what they ask for, but you get to see from your vantage point, well, the customer got exactly what they wanted, but we see a few fine tuning things that, that we could do to optimize it. And then we could maybe take it into the RV world. I mean, you learn lessons. It's, it's, it's a perfect playground to try new things. Oh, yeah. 
absolutely is. You know, there's so much that we do here as a manufacturer that we actually fabricate and build in house as well. So, you know, we get crossover now from both sides, from RV into our motorsports or vice versa, motorsports to RV, because as you mentioned on a motorsports trailer, you're doing so many unique things every day that you can find find ideas or products that will be you know very beneficial on the rv side of the world too mm-hmm. well can i ask the obvious question uh, no we haven't been there when you <laughs> decided to step into the rv world why didn't you do what customers i know everyone listening is saying why can't i build a custom rv like that i mean why is why is the rv side of it different than the motorsport side so in order to get product out at a price point that is you know desirable and a time frame that's desirable on an rv level um, if you try to go fully custom it almost becomes a completely different operation from what we're doing in rvs right now so we'd almost have to have a completely separate entity that would be designed around custom rvs versus looking at the industry trying to figure out the right mix of product the right mix of options and narrowing that down because when you can build something more like a widget then you're able to you know stock all the right parts run production more efficiently another neat thing about that is you can really you know it's it takes a very long time to build those motorsport trailers to do it at the level of detail we do but when you have a crew that's you know well trained in on a product and they're building the same three or four models every day you know their skill level can get very high very quickly and we can control the quality of that build but then also do it where you know we're able to make perhaps two three even four models a day off a single production line and that wouldn't be possible in a custom build which then, of course, you know, increases your cost significantly mm-hmm. if you're to do a completely custom RV. So you're saying like in general, motorsport trailer people are, are willing to pay that money for custom because that's what they need in the RV market. That's just not that's just not what people are going to do. They're not going to pay that much. Correct. Yeah. And you have, you know, some limitations. So if you took a look at our products like the Luna Souls and Terras, right? Those all have a custom fiberglass front cap. Those have custom radius bows and the structure of it. So there's things that also kind of limit you down to working within a certain size of space that you buy these particular parts for. Now, if you go to a motorsports trailer, that thing is a box and, you know, it's easy to extend that box, make it bigger, shorter, uh, taller, whatever you want to do but when you're working inside a framework like what we are on most of our rv products you you kind of have to pick a size and shape that you're going with and then there's more limitations on on custom things that you could do inside that unit yeah i imagine whenever you have the economy of scale the uh, the ability to build build a line that that has components that match and all that it also translates to a, a better brand that you can support over time for an RV market. Whereas, I mean, motorsports, it's everything about what they do is custom. I mean, there's trade secrets under every single hood of what they're hauling around. (laughs) I guess that's true. So it's just a very different world. I do imagine that if we approach Keith rightly, we could say, hey, we don't need necessarily the front cap. How much and how long would it take to build a custom RV, just a one-off, through your motorsports line and he would actually talk to us 
<laughs> well, you're feeling pretty, pretty proud of yourself. Pretty good about uh, that, right? right there. This is, no, wait, no I, this is all hypothetical. I don't, I, I don't have the money. Right I, I don't have the money, but I, th I think he would talk to us. Uh, so, if we paid for, you for twice, you, I would do anything. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm going to throw up right here. I'm not on the mic. <laughs> don't touch those. the equipment. I already spilled my coffee. So, um, it. it I mean, if you built, if we said, hey, we want one like this, but we want it custom, would it be twice the price, three times the price? I mean, how outrageous do you think it would be? And nobody get any ideas because we're not thinking this is on the table. I'm just thinking, you know, if it would raise the cost five or 10,000, yeah, but are we, are we talking doubling the price to do something like that? You probably are because, you know, if you look at like our prototyping process now in a prototype, you know, we are going through and we're working with our dealerships like you guys and, and getting feedback from the retail customers on what we're going to develop and put into it. But at the point that we go through, we make the prints, get everything refined, make sure the fitment and everything's correct, and then actually prototype build a unit. It takes roughly four to six weeks to actually produce that new prototype unit. Um, so, you know, it's a very long build process and that's for one single product. Uh, when you're, when you're custom selecting all these items, the other complexity to it becomes supplier parts. So now you're also going out and you're searching for new parts that you maybe necessarily don't buy on a daily basis and trying to get those in. And you could have lead times of, one to two months depending on what that part is so there's a lot of things that would extend out the build time and then of course with all that time and manpower and effort is going to substantially increase costs so yeah you'd probably be looking at somewhere around double the cost for um something to be a custom versus a right. a normal everyday production wow. unit yeah now um you mentioned i mean 2016 was kind of the genesis of the rv side of things and all that what what models did you launch with? And then just so the, the listeners can get an idea of kind of the breakneck speed that y'all developed out the products to what you have today in 2024, what did you launch with? And then successively, what came online soon thereafter? Yeah, so 2016, we started with the Flyer. And the Flyer is the most similar to a motorsports style construction. Um, you know, if you look at the overall shape of the unit, it's very similar to what our motorsports trailers would look like. And we originally came out with the model that we now call the Chase. So no kitchen, no nothing, just very basic, um, very simplistic model that just allowed people with lightweight tow vehicles uh, to get up off the ground and kind of, you know, start getting into that adventure camper market. We quickly expanded on the flyer line and then we came out with the pursue which had the kitchen the explore and then in 2017 as we were going through that we were kind of dreaming and looking at the industry and saying okay where is there an area that we could do something that is one different you know we didn't want something that's just a cookie cutter of other products that were out there and what markets could we go into where we feel like we could add a lot of value do something that would uh, really resonate with customers and what they're looking for so at that point in time, we developed Luna, Soul, and Terra. And we actually did all that in 2017. And we kind of had our concepts and we started off with the smallest of those, that being the Luna for production. So in 2017, we launched, launched the Luna. And then in 2018, we started production on our Soul line. 
And then in 2020, we started production of the Terra model. So those all kind of came out back to back. Uh, within the Soul line, we actually launched what's called our Soul Horizon. Um, that was our biggest model at that time. And then we, in 2019, we added in the Soul Dawn and Soul uh, Eclipse for kind of some smaller, lighter weight options inside that travel trailer. And so then, yeah, 2020 was the Terra production. And then in 2022, we started our OVR line. So pretty much back to back years, we've come out with either a new product line altogether or new models within those product lines. I feel like that's your norm to work at that speed. But but do people in house realize how fast that is next to other <laughs> manufacturers? We love it. Uh, for us, it's that's one of the things that drives us the most is is dreaming up that new product, um, having the the push internally to stay nimble as a company and to be able to come out with new new options. And you know, we don't really you know we do it at a fast speed, I guess, as far as coming out with new models. But we also do it with a, a lot of diligence, trying to figure out what does this product need to be? Um, you know, the prototyping stage, often we start off with a frame and we end up building everything just kind of out of plywood inside it. And we're tweaking, you know, we're looking at a cabinet and saying, oh, this would look better if it was a quarter inch smaller. So, you know, it's going through kind of an extreme level of detail to try and make sure that product is perfect at the point in time it's going to come to market. Do you have an area on your campus is like skunk works the area 51 where, where you're ideas are built in the dark and people have to have like special special passes and things like that <laughs> we probably should but no it's kind of all out in the open so come for a tour here at intech and you'll probably get to find out the next thing we're working on <laughs> so where do ideas come from like who is there one person who says you know hey let's do the luna or do y'all just sit down in a room and say what do we do what do we do we have a good team of people that, um, you know, we all kind of work together on these projects and what the next venture for us is. So, you know, in my role, I'm looking and, and talking with the dealers, talking with the retail customer and seeing what the needs are. And, and then we're kind of looking at that next opportunity of, we feel like based on what we do and the way we do it and the price point that we build at, um, trying to figure out where that next avenue is for us. And so as we've expanded now, you've seen us kind of come back in and fill in with new models within these lines because now we've had customers out. Um, let's use a Soul Horizon, for example. We've had customers using that for three or four years. We've watched, we've seen what they're doing with the product. We've heard from the dealers on on what the requests have been. And then that's what originated the Soul dusk um you know the big one of the big things was customers would say i don't like having to crawl over somebody in the evening if i need to go use the restroom and a lot of customers pressing for you know twin bed designs so we made the dusk where we had the twin beds in the back each person can, can get out without crawling over the other and then on that model one request we've been hearing a lot is that we need to connect those beds so if we want to have them connected we can and we put that in there so that drives a lot of what we do now is um, existing units we have out there how are people using them and then what what feedback are we hearing consistently that they would like to see changed or new new innovations or features they'd like to have well our hope is that every model that we make would you know really have a purpose for uh you know a, a decent number of people or a decent size of the market so you know to try and not have floor plans that um 
really don't make sense out there that people, you know, they, they get into and they struggle and they don't use. Uh, we really try to avoid that because on the flip end, if you end up with, you know, a hundred models, that's a lot to maintain and keep up with. And then also to try to make sure that you're innovating on that product and proving it. Um, it's easy to lose your focus on it. So trying to make sure that what we put out there is a really good product so that we can keep dialing into these good ones and continually improve them. Do you have an idea that you can think of that you guys kind of tossed around for a little bit or even started to engineer and then you all said this is a terrible idea and scrapped it? We have lots of those, by the way. We haven't, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had anything that's made it all the way um, to the point where we've actually built it and then said, nah, this doesn't make sense. Hopefully we do enough research on the front end to figure out, uh, you know, if it's going to be a, a product or a model that uh, customers are going to be interested in. And we'll pretty much see that all the way through. Now we've made we have made some adjustments to some of them. I mean, flyers have gone through multiple iterations because of changes in what we've heard from, from people that are using them. Um, recently, we just released the redesigned Soul Eclipse based on the fact that, you know, consumers were saying they needed more storage in it, they needed a better sleeping space in it. So, you know, we might get something out there and then get the feedback and realize, okay, we need to make a fairly decent size overhaul on this to uh, make sure it lines up with what people want. You keep talking about customer feedback. I know that's a huge part of this. And I feel like a lot of customers feel like manufacturers aren't listening to them because they're not getting, you know, what they want when they want it. Where are you hearing this? Do you like search your own name on Facebook and see what comes <laughs> up? What, how, what do you, do you just wait for people to contact you? We hear it, you know, one, we'll talk to a dealership will talk to princess craft and you know your sales staff they're talking to customers every day so we get good feedback there but getting down to the actual customer level um you know we will hear it at uh, retail shows but one of the great areas that we have is our owners groups on facebook and pretty much each of our brand lines has its own owners group. They're not controlled by us. It's just somebody who bought one of our units and started these groups and they've gotten pretty large. And what's really neat about those is you can see there's a lot of back and forth and activity. People will show the modifications they've done. They'll talk about the things they love about the camper. They'll talk about things that they wish they could change. So that one, those right there are great spots for us just to go and just we're constantly scrolling through, seeing what's happened what are people talking about and then just compiling notes on it because sometimes you'll have something where you know you have a, a person who's seven foot tall that's complaining the unit's too short well okay that's that's like a half of a percent problem for most people right so you're trying to find these common threads of what are multiple people saying that would be a really nice addition or change and sometimes they might be talking about a specific model but it kind of gives us an idea for a new line altogether based on what their comments are you're outside of the you're, you're you're literally and philosophically outside of the standard Elkhart way of doing things. <laughs> so, but you do, you're close enough that people have experience and they come in. Do they have like a moment of, of, of clarity, sigh of relief? Like, oh, I actually enjoy or love this product, the the way we get to work, it's it is different, and I feel good about 
what we do day to day. I put something of quality together. Yeah, it's, you know, in our employees, they take a lot of pride in what they do. And you talk about the difference. We have a lot of people that have come from within the RV industry. And especially as they've um, gotten some age on them, they are, they're really tired of the pace of what they had worked at before. And they come into Intech and it's a totally different environment, even down to the fact that, you know, the way we promote a team atmosphere versus individual. And that's laid out in our pay structure. Most any RV plant's going to be paid off a piece rate. So if you have a particular job, you do it however many times that day you're supposed to do it, you get to go home, you're done. So your only motivation is to work fast, get it done because that's how you're being paid. We pay everybody here off of profits of the company. Um, and so all of our guys are going to be here from the same time from five in the morning till two 30 in the afternoon. They're more than happy to jump around and help. So, you know, if they're done with their particular job, they're going to, and the lines, uh, moving slow behind them, they're going to jump back and help the other guys behind them. The other neat thing that encourages is, you know, versus being paid based on how many units you got out that day, you're paid based on the profitability of Intech. So if there's say an issue, you notice a scratch somewhere, you know, something isn't done quite right. You know, every one of our guys is encouraged both uh, from their managers, but also in the way their pay structure is to call that out because, you know, our message is, Hey, we're building a reputation in the industry based on putting quality out. This is a long game. It's not just about what can we do this year? And that impacts the way they look at the product that impacts the pride they take and what they put out here at Intech. And ultimately what that does is it gives us employees that stick around for a long time. They're not going anywhere. Once they get indoctrinated into Intech and the way we do things, they're going to be lifers at this company for the most part. And once again, that helps us immensely on our uh, knowledge of our staff and, and the quality of what we're able to produce. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we've, we've kind of noticed that on our visits. I do have a really a side question, maybe two. The first, the first question is, I'm not sure that, I mean, just where you are geographically in the United States, that, that our listeners necessarily understand the importance of that start time at five and end at what, two or two thirty. That matters to your community in a particular way. And the second one is unrelated to that. We'll just back pocket it. But can you explain the value of Mountain Dew? <laughs> so let's start with the first one. We just talked about a relaxed pace. No, we have a heavy Amish culture here. And, um, you know, so for the Amish, they, they value that time outside of work quite heavily because a lot of them have other projects they're doing. You know, they have farms, they have animals, they have things and responsibilities outside of work that dem are demanding on their time. So yeah, that's one reason for that early start time and to still have daylight when they get home to uh, complete mm -hmm. other things. Um, the Mountain Dew, yes, the pop as we call it up here, soda as pop. you would reference it there. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> yeah, Mountain Dew is definitely it, it pop. Is a it is a driving factor and, and we've quickly learned here, you gotta be a Pepsi person. Uh, it, it seems like in the Amish community, the Pepsi brands are very important to them. You know, we try to put 
Coke products in here and it's, it seems to be rejected. So it's, <laughs> it's the Pepsi, the Mountain Dew, the Dr. Pepper. I feel like there's uh, a documentary here. Rate. There's a documentary in this somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I tell you what, until I got to Intech and saw the vending machine there, I did not realize there was so many different kinds exactly. of Exactly. We don't Mountain see them here. Dew. Yeah. It, I mean, like 17. In fact, I think the first time I was at the Intech factory, I took a picture because there was two vending machines and they both had like seven different types of Mountain Dew. And I was like, this is fascinating. I had no idea. I know. And I'm not quite sure how that fits into this relaxed culture of taking your time, doing a good job, but somehow you guys make it work. So uh, all that Mountain Dew apparently works to calm people down and make them do their job well. Uh, Intech is by far one of the best products we see coming into Princess Craft. We have a lot of good manufacturers, but these Intechs, they come in virtually with, with no problems. If we do see something, a lot of times it's equipment failure of a piece that you purchased and put in. But for the most part, I mean, Intech is just easy. We actually had a, a, a spot sale today. Mm -hmm. And if it was anything but an Intech, I would have said no. Yeah. But we know that we can pull in an Intech and it's not have a bunch of stuff it's to good fix to go. on it. We don't have to fix Hardly anything. It's amazing. Maybe well, something is shaking loose. That's good. That's our goal. It is impressive. It is very impressive what you guys do. So I don't know how two vending machines full of Mountain Dew help you do that, but it's working. Can if it I, isn't broke, don't fix it. That's right. right. Drink as much Mountain Dew as they need. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are getting up and starting at five o'clock in the morning, and then working on the farm. So I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the longevity yeah. of the day. So let me let me see if we can back up the scope a little, get a, a wider view. What what big ideas and developments do you see you kind of catching a buzz? Not just locally in Intech, but wider scope RV industry. What developments and buzz is kind of out there that manufacturers are toying with for future developments, reconstructions, and projects, and all that? What's yeah. what's what are they talking about? What's on the horizon? What are manufacturers interested in and yeah. hoping to bring to he the got, market? He got the question. Let me ask it another way. Lindsay, try the other one. <laughs> Obviously, uh, power is a big thing right now in the industry, right? There's there's more and more of a want and a need to be off-grid camping, um, dry camping. It's it's a big push. And, you know, as you as you look at batteries, you look at solar, how you get that power for a unit. That seems to be in the industry as a whole right now. That's where there's a lot of effort and focus. Mm -hmm. And it's still, you know, it's a, it's a system that is still incredibly expensive, um, a system that still has a long ways to go as we look at some of the components that we have to still use, you know, whether that be the air conditioners or microwaves and different things that have massive uh, power draws to them. And then I think the other thing that the industry is looking at heavily right now is, you know, as you see more of a transition to EV vehicles, how far is that going to go? Is that going to be a necessity for the RV industry to accommodate to? And then how do we support that? Um, is it additional battery uh, 
storage inside a trailer that can actually help supplement the vehicle? Is it, um, you know, you see companies playing with axles that would actually have the ability to also provide some drive to them. So it's not creating so much resistance for the vehicle because ultimately when you're pulling an RV or a camper, you're just trying to push a big hole through the air. Mm -hmm. And if you try to make it ultra aerodynamic, now you've eliminated a lot of the usable space inside the camper. So, so there's definitely some, um, innovation that uh, companies are working on and trying to come out with that could hopefully improve the ability to camp without being plugged in somewhere. Uh, And that seems to be one of the bigger pushes right now. You also see a large push into uh, suspension and uh, uh, style camping. That's, that's another one where more and more manufacturers are coming into the industry uh more and more the suppliers are working to innovate towards Mm -hmm. something that will be useful uh to the end user in that whole realm so those probably the two biggest that i see right now yeah i was going to say in my world just through my feeds facebook feed and what have you i have obviously the power that you mentioned battery solar uh you know feeding tow vehicles and what have you, even plugging your house into your RV in a pinch sort of thing. I see that coming through. The suspension thing, obviously that's come up. And the third thing that's that's coming up, and I think it's just a mainstay is, is there a better toilet? There's, it's just always, it's always electrical suspension and is there a better toilet? And, and I don't know, it's those three things seem to be conversations all I think the time. someone needs to invent a magic toilet where everything just disappears. Because that's really what people want. That incinerator toilet. It was something I was actually reading about just this morning or yesterday afternoon. Incinerator toilets. They are expensive, but they incinerate it. <laughs> that's uh, interesting. I had not seen the incinerator toilet yet. I'll, I'll send you some links. Okay. Well, That'd I'm so great. glad we could help you out there. One of the trends that I see out there also is that people are, even though everybody talks about, um, you know, people need the Uh, economic trailers now and price points have gotten higher. And I think people are also a lot of times looking for luxury. They are looking for comfort now. Um, I've seen that. I think that trend has been under-recognized. Yeah, even the Overland trailers have some notions that way. It's funny because they're supposed to be extremely utilitarian, but you can always spot on many of them, a lot of them, some bougie element here or there. Yeah, what is it? They it, want you know? the modern <laughs> twist. They want yeah. the you some know above counter bowl sink, and then mm-hmm. they want the super soft mattress that's just amazing. Yeah, and you know it's just the modern high tech comforts. I think has become a thing as well. So I don't know. That's that's what I see is is really strong in the market right now. And uh, that really makes it hard to sell a standard box trailer, as you called it. So good thing you don't build any of those, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a good thing. Our focus is definitely more on, you know, it's it's obviously our product is not far from the cheapest in the industry, but you're also trying to give the ultimate value, right? So it's, it's, we know we're building on the luxury end, but even at the luxury end, we could still make these things cost. Thirty, forty thousand dollars more. But easy. what are the pieces and components that really give that end user the most value out of what they just bought? And that's that's the uh, that's the dance you're trying to do constantly when figuring out what parts and pieces and how you're going to build. 
Yeah. So at Intech, um, outside of what you see in the RV industry and publications and all that, what, where else do you guys look for inspiration and ideas and uh, innovations, you know, just materials, components? At the bottom of the Mountain Dew bottle. Uh, hmm. Good call. That's where it is. <laughs> <laughs> we look, I spent a lot of time looking at the marine industry. Um, if you look at, um, you know, even kind of go up towards cruisers and yachts and everything of that nature. Uh, sometimes it's on a larger scale, but you know, some of your design and your features and components that are being used, uh, that industry has a lot of unique innovation to offer. So we look heavily there. Automotive is so, you know, it's so hard to duplicate what they're able to do in automotive. Mm -hmm. Um, we were talking to an automotive manufacturer because one thing that I feel like taillights, just simple things like that, right? Taillights can add such a neat feature to the sure. back end of a product and, and an aesthetic. Well, through the well years, you, you can, you can, you can point it at the back end of a car and go, I know exactly what year that came out. I mean, just through the years in these Chevys or Fords or whatever, I mean, they yeah. have iconic taillights and grills. What's the front look like? What's the back look like? It's, it's like men out what? in the market. What? What's the front look like? What's the back look like? What? We're we're ignoring that. Ig ignore that and continue on. I, won't go that. I don't understand yeah, what we're doing here. Yeah, Clint, Clint needs we're a Mountain Dew. Okay. coffee and a ba <laughs> a basic one on a on a uh, vehicle. The development of that tail light is four million dollars. Oh, so what? you know, there's what? certain things that you know when you look into some industries, you say, "Wow, that's really neat." But is it something that uh, again, to go back to your value standpoint, is that something that really brings enough value to the product? And so, that doesn't mean the product costs that much. Does have some neat. The product doesn't cost What's that much. That? It's just developing right. it, right? Correct. The development and the, uh, you know, all the tooling and everything to create that mold and make that particular piece. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you obviously have a much smaller cost per piece. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some big expenses in certain areas you look at and you think, I'd be really neat to do. But again, is it, uh, you know, how can we do that on a scale that makes sense here? Yeah. Yeah. I bet that's tough to do. Well, you know, you do all the designing of the inside. What kind of, what's your biggest mistake? I want to know the biggest mistake you made and you put it together and said, what was I thinking? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, I want to hear. It happens with colors quite a bit because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, when you go back to our original design, you know, we're doing it out of plywood. So we're twisting mm -hmm. and, and changing things and we, you know, we kind of get the fitment and the sizing dialed in at that point. Um, and then you, and then you try and throw all your colors at it and, yeah, there's been some pretty big swing and misses there early on in the process <laughs> where it all comes together and it looks great on little swatches, but you, you place it all next to each other. It's like, holy smokes, this is bad. <laughs> Are you talking about the Luna cushions? <laughs> I, that Luna I was love. high on my mind, the original <laughs> Luna, when I was talking about that. And yes, your favorite cushions that we got rid of, those would be one of those swing and misses, in my opinion. I of course, still, design is opinion, oh, right? I still awful. have them. No, I love them. Oh. I still have them. They sit on my couch. You can oh. find an audience for anything. <laughs> my grandmother had cushions like that, I'm sure. Which is why they're back in style. Yeah, vintage is in. Oh. Oh, any oh, vintage. Right. Well, the, the original Luna that came out was for all intensive purposes, an epic fail. 
until it kind well, of absolutely. got revamped and relaunched. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, let's just put it out there. That was, hey, let's do something different. And then it was kind of an oh crap moment. So it really was. It was, <laughs> you know, for us, that was our first venture into, you know, flyers are, are simplistic. You know, it's, it's, it's your blank canvas, as you say, to go in and modify. And that's what the, the customers love about a flyer. Luna was our first venture into something that was very finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, while the overall shape and size of the product came off really well, the, the components, the layouts, the colors, all of that stuff, we really swung and missed at the first, at the first go of it. Um, and that was, that was one product where we learned a ton early on, on what customers are looking for and how to, how to design and make something that's good for the market. And we did a complete revamp of that product to bring it to where it's at today. You know, I think that that's an exercise that could actually be kind of a case study, how you took that situation and as a company and as a team, you're very responsive and you built built it into a, a, a category that has a lot of goodwill. I mean, you, you worked with the customers very openly, very quickly, you were responsive and all that and building goodwill where you could have, you know, you, you hate to say it across any industry, you see a lot of companies just distancing themselves and hoping it'll go quietly into that good night. But, uh, <laughs> but the Luna culture out there, the, the, the people who love them, now, um, you had to go through a, quite a slog as a, as a team and a company to gain face and then reputation again, and then to say, no, we're here and this we're, we're standing by it and you. Um, well, up till now, I thought we were doing, it sounded very much like a commercial for Intex. So I'm glad we got to bring up some of your misses, some of the struggles, because there have been some. In fact, oh, absolutely. That's that's all you can do is take those moments and learn and grow from them. Right. And that's right. Uh, that's what we all do. Some of the some of the things you struggle with actually help you become as good of a company as you can and mm-hmm. do as good of a job as you can on making new products and designing, because if you don't stumble every once in a while, you're never learning. So, well, I remember when I first walked in the Terra and I said, man, Keith, I love this trailer. And you said, great, I'll build you one. I said, well, I don't mind taking the prototype. You said, PJ, we've rebuilt this trailer seven times. And I remember thinking, okay, first of all, who rebuilds them seven times? And you said, well, it took us a while to get everything right. And that is the trailer I have today. And I still think it is is just a solid, classic trailer, the colors, the interior, the look. I know it will change over time, but I know the colors was really hard on that one. Uh, And when you were done, it was fabulous. It was fabulous. So great job. Do you have a trailer that like you feel is your like your baby like yeah, what fits maybe you best you came up with the beginning idea or it was the most work so now you feel the most attached uh, to it I see, yeah like do you have like like not just necessarily your favorite but like your baby one that you feel like you put yourself into 
it's funny they you know people ask me well what's your favorite trailer which one would you buy and it's usually whatever the last thing we made was because each one feels that way when you're going through the process of uh-huh. coming up with it and developing it right it's like oh no now this one's my favorite no this right. one's my favorite uh-huh. um i can't say that there's one in particular that really stands out because again you know as a as a group and said we have an awesome team of a number of us that all work on these things um we do we put a ton of time and hours into them so when you get to that point of completion it is it's like man this is the ultimate this is the ultimate camper this is the ultimate rv this is what i'd want to own but if i had to say the one that i think works the best for me and my family and i like the most it's the ovr expedition yeah yeah that suits you. <laughs> that makes Clint sense. Clint too. It's it's a good yeah. it's a good layout. I have you know three kids, so I can get them all three in there with that bunk bed in there. It's a nice size. I love the look of that unit. Just the the aesthetics of the OVR, and then you put it in that smaller footprint of only that twenty two and a half feet overall length. I just think it's it's just stellar looking, and then the uh, the functionality and layout of it uh, really works well for me personally. Do you have a least favorite? Now you're telling me to call one of my children my least favorite? That's that's not okay. Hey, it was just a question. Uh, You can say no. You didn't have a favorite, so you could say you you could frame it. What what wouldn't work best for your family with three kids and a wife, and you know? But we're talking about designing the trailer. Yeah, I want to know who the punk was. Who? Oh, who? I mean. Mm who it took a while to get it together, which I know you mentioned Luna, but are there any other ones that you're just like, Bruh. Luna was by far the most difficult one. So when you take all the stuff that we're trying to put in that unit from air conditioner and water systems and heating systems and all of that, and try to do that in that tiny little package. I mean, while it's one of our smallest trailers, it took about the longest on that second revamp of it to get all of that to work and function well. I mean, we had the Terra basically from beginning to nearly completion as a brand new product done before we had that uh, last remodel of the Luna done. It took about the same amount of time. So wow. Luna was uh, Luna was a lot of a lot of work to get it to where it is today. Yeah. Oh, well, there poor it is. Luna. No, Luna, now, Luna's I arrived. I love the Luna. The Luna would be <laughs> high up on my list if it was just me and Jen. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever find a new tow vehicle? You and I have talked about this, but it's been a while since I've checked in on. Did you get a new tow vehicle? I did not. Still have the same Yukon that I've always towed him with. So, oh, okay. He's working too much now. Yeah, I always, when I get an email, I'm always so excited when I get an email from Keith because I'm hoping it's like new drawings of a new layout. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Or sometimes you'll send us pictures of interiors. Do you like this or do you like this? Or we're going to have a new line in this piece and we need a name. I mean, those are the days that we absolutely love here because you do reach out to all these people Mm. in the market. You connect them. You try to figure out what we like, what we can do. And Princess Craft adds its uh, own twist of crazy. So uh, 
We <laughs> appreciate being a part of your development, even in the smallest ways, because it's so fun to see what you guys do. And I know we probably need to wrap up soon. So uh, can you give us hints of what's on the horizon? Because I know you have a napkin drawing somewhere. <laughs> he just looked over to well, it right I, there. I can tell you there are some more emails I need to send you here quite shortly on some new layouts. So there's ah, we're always dun, dun, dun. kind of tweaking and working on <laughs> the next thing. Um, you know, people have seen us uh, um, kind of promoting on our website that there's something new coming in this black wing. So that's that's an exciting product that we really think is going to hit hit an area and a market that we're not uh, currently reaching. So I can't spill too much information on that yet. Uh, Hopefully here, as we get towards the end of March, beginning of April, we're starting to reveal what that product is and, and people start to get an idea of it. And then we've got something that is completely off the path of what we've done to this point. Um, Totally different, even segment of the market that we're toying with right now. And drivable on top of that, there's a, you said it, not me. Um, on top of that, there's a, a product that uh, it'll probably be one of our longest ones in development because as we talk about, um, you know, uh, shapes and surfaces and making molds and everything's going to go into it, it'll be a very high-end product. Um, it could be roughly probably about a year out before we're really even at uh, building the first prototypes based on all the parts that we'll have to have specialty molds and everything made for. But that's one that uh, we're very excited about as well. So I apologize. I'm not giving you oh, all no. the details here, but uh, there's some fun stuff on the horizon. Please I'm, tell me you have a secret lair to start doing some of these in. I, I can tell lair. you it is. Nope. Just come for the factory to- tour. You'll see it all. <laughs> <laughs> all right I think, said it. yeah i think we need to plan a trip to napanee it's been a while and it sounds like there's lots of things to see yeah i, I am all in and besides that the coffee is so good and the peanut butter tater tots do you remember the peanut butter and jelly tater tots i do i dream about those sometimes <laughs> <laughs> we have there's <laughs> <laughs> we have had some fun in Napanee. You're, you're an easy one to please there. So I know. Yes, we do need I to get am. you guys back up there. Sounds like we're going to be booking a trip. Yes, I am so ready. You know, if anybody has hung in there this long on this podcast, they must be an Intech fan already. So keep an eye out because we will put out some videos as things become available to the public of all the cool stuff that you guys are doing. I mean, you mentioned three new projects and the one that was going to take the longest mm-hmm. was a year. That's incredible. Yeah. That's fast. I mean, that is why we wanted to have this chat with you is because I, we have other people develop a product. I mean, Forest River can come up with something and, I, you know, they're, they make great things. This is not a huge slam, but they can simply rebuild something slightly, put a new floor plan in it, move a cabinet, put a different sticker on it, and it's on down the line pretty quickly. But but that's not the same it type of development. It is not the same type of development that Intech does to come up with whole new ideas, builds, mm-hmm. lines, prototypes. I mean, completely different lines every single year since 2016. It just blows me away. So thank you. Keep it up. I'm so excited. This turned into a giant Intech oh. commercial, so you're yeah. welcome. we'll bill you thanks for having me on guys it's always fun to sit here and talk about all this i can i can talk about products and new products all day long so 
Well, there you go. We'll come up there and do it in person because it, it really has been too long since yeah. we've done a Napanee trip. Yeah. Have they built any new hotels there? Because that's what you really need. <laughs> no, unfortunately. Amish in that you have to choose from. So apologize about the accommodations. That's all right. We'll just problem. hang out at your okay. house. Yep. Yep. Say hi to Jen it's for us. Before. And uh, yeah, thanks for hanging with us. All right. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode of the RV Small Talk Podcast. We will be joining you again next week with another exciting, we hope, episode. And Keith (laughs) will have to listen to that one because he's not (laughs) recording it with us. Um, Don't forget that you can find us on social media. Just look up RVSmallTalk.com. Our show notes can be found at RVSmallTalk.com. So... Everything's at rvsmalltalk.com. Just go there. There it is. Just do it. All right. And for that, we are out. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.